You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Sawn Outdoors Podcast. All right. It sounds good. Test, test, test. <laughs> I guess we're ready to do uh, Sawn Outdoors podcast number two. Today, uh, meeting with Zach Mikesell and his lovely little wife, Tisha. Just um, over here at their home, Zach cooked me up a delicious paleo, non-paleo steak. Half and half. <laughs> he forgot to get the grass-fed butter. If there's ever such a thing. <laughs> I don't know. Only happy butter comes from grass-fed cows. <laughs> and happy cows come from California. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a lot. <laughs> anyway, uh, met Zach just this last year. Um, I was having my knees rehabilitated. Zach put me through torture. And yes, loved I every did. minute of it. No regrets from this side. <laughs> None from mine either. <laughs> yeah. McCabe was a good patient. No complaints from him. He just came in, did the work, but his main goal, if I remember correctly from day one, that he told the therapist was, I need to get my knees ready so I can shed hunt April 1st. That's right. <laughs> That's what was said. And it's yep. like, oh, hey, you might uh, get along then with the therapist assistant, Zach. And so then that's how we met and gone on a few shed hunting trips. Yeah. Yep. We have not super successful shit on no, trips because I'm terrible at it, successful. but it was a hard year thanks to Utah a, and our winter. It was a good but good few hours of hiking. Yeah, we had Cardio. fun. Zach found a nice deadhead bull on one of our last trips. That is true. Need to still pick up, but um, we wanted to get Zach on a podcast and talk about um, something pretty special to him. Um, Zach was lucky enough super lucky enough to draw um you drew it at the expo no i no? And that's probably the benefit of why i drew <laughs> is a lot of people don't know when to apply for the sportsman's permits in the state of utah in the fall right in the late fall in, in november i think the deadline that year in 2012 putting in for the 2013 hunts i think it was like november 15th and and my dad contacted me. I was going to school down in St. George at Dixie State. And he said, hey, did you put in for your sportsman's permits? And I was like, no. I said, it's $10 a permit. And, you know, that to a college student's a few, you know. A couple of meals. Yeah, a week's <laughs> worth of meals. So I wasn't going to put in. And I told my dad. I gave him strict orders. Like, dad, don't put me in. Just, you know, I'm, you helped me out enough already. Like, don't put me in. And... The way the story goes is my dad even forgot about it, and then at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock um, before the deadline at midnight, before the application closed, he remembered, and so he called my mom from work and said, oh, I forgot to put Zach in for some sportsman's tags. Do you mind doing that? And so my mom hurried and put me in, and and uh, a few weeks later, it was I think I think the results were posted maybe a week or two later 
still in November, but I actually didn't check my email until December 5th or 6th. And just cause I forgot and I didn't realize my dad had put me in for the hunts and he called me when I was at school. He said, Hey, what are you doing? And I said, just getting ready to go to a birthday party, I think is what we were doing, me and my roommates. And he's like, did you check your email for the sportsman's results? And I said, no, I didn't put in. He's like, well, I put you in. He said, they've been out for a week or two now. And I was like, oh, well, I'll hurry and pull it up. And it was about 11 o'clock at night and I pulled it up and I couldn't believe it. I read it and read it again, read it again and jumped off my couch, threw my hat in the air, was freaking out. My roommates (laughs) who were not hunters didn't really understand what was going on and it was it was just chaos for there for a minute and made yeah. all the phone calls in fact i called my dad right back told him the results and called me a liar and hung up on me <laughs> so then i called uh you know my second family the hansons out here in twila and i called zeb zeb didn't answer his phone so i called ed and ed answered and i was like i drew it i drew a sportsman's tag for mule deer i drew one and He's like, no, you didn't. I was like, I swear, I swear on anything. And I think you could tell by the excitement in my voice. And so then Zeb got on the phone and had a few choice words, I think. Just, you know, <laughs> you lucky, you beep. lucky, beepity beep. And, <laughs> and then while I was on the phone with those guys, my dad called me back and send me a picture and prove it. And so I sent him a picture and then it kind of word spread from there. And I was on cloud nine and trying to focus and prepare for finals that semester. You know, it was a little bit more difficult after <laughs> I'm that. I'm sure it was a challenge. But it was it was a cool it was a, a surreal feeling, but cool at the same time. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Don't they only give out like what, one tag for one each tag. species? Yeah, so I think it's a, it's for the big game, but I think they still give one out for, for cougar and for bear. Mm-hmm. The bighorn, mountain goat, um, for elk, you know, just the main species, but yeah, and they give one out for moose and everything, but I think the mule deer one is probably the most sought after. Right. But I mean, there's these little tiny baby deer growing on the places like the Henrys and places, yeah. things like that. <laughs> little baby. Uh, just little guys. So in 2013, correct? That's when uh, you drew your tag? Yeah, that was the year of my permit. That's correct. Dang. <laughs> Been a few years. You can't see it because this is a podcast. But we're sitting here in the presence of the mule deer that Zach was fortunate enough to harvest. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about like your scouting trips and what you were seeing and how you were feeling on your scouting trips? Well, it, I didn't know when to start scouting. In, in reality, I was like, I don't know. I, I probably need to get down there sooner before even starting to look at the deer and just kind of learn the area just mm-hmm. trying to see because i knew that you know we it needed to we needed to learn it and we actually had a family friend brad binkley who had been on the henry's a year or two before with a friend who had drawn a, a limited entry permit and he had a you know a fair amount of knowledge for it and so in fact i took my last final december 15th and took off from st george and and went through you know Bicknell and Torrey and dropped down through Capitol Reef and popped out in Hanksville and we stayed the night met my dad and and Binkley there in Hanksville and our plan was to get out there on the side-by-side going up through Coyote Flats and just kind of take a drive around and, and see the deer on their winter range right 
just to kind of get a little bit excited and mm-hmm. that was the plan and my dad's truck we get about nine ten miles in on coyote flats decides to poop out its transmission basically and oh no so we sat there for about three hours on the dirt road trying to get it to kind of see if we could get it to shift into gear and all we had was reverse and so we unloaded the side-by-side hooked the trailer up to the side-by-side to allow my dad to drive in reverse all the way back out to the oiled road and as we were going along thank goodness we passed some some people hunting um buffalo and we told them our situation and they they gave us a ride back into hanksville and so that trip kind of we made phone calls had a good family friend jason warburton come down his chevy pulling a big flatbed trailer pulled my dad's ford all the way back up back here to twila all the way up spanish fort canyon and so the running joke you know was chevy pulling the ford but (laughs) that first trip didn't go so well but it was just kind of crazy to see the landscape Mm -hmm. Uh, i had never been to the henry mountains i'd been to lake powell once before but didn't realize the henry mountains are right there as you as you drive through hanksville on your way to bullfrog marina but it was just kind of crazy to see red rock red rock desert and all of a sudden bam this huge mountain range yeah and so in between that time and and uh scouting trips is uh, i kind of you know i can't tell you how many youtube videos i watched as far as henry mountain mule deer or just you know how many muley crazy dvds i watched and uh, in that process of watching all those videos i came across kelly cox and his iVideo wildlife um videos that he had started posting and and i was at work at cow ranch one night and probably shouldn't have been watching youtube videos <laughs> at the gun How counter you not when you have that kind of tag and so i i uh, was watching the video and and i when um saw his video and i said ah you know what i'm gonna call my dad and see what he says because the plan was you know from the very beginning we're gonna do this as a family and with you know close family friends we, we just we're not gonna call out and and you know parade this tag around and and try to see which outfitter would offer us the most and so we um decided to do it just on our own and i called my dad said hey how about instead of us filming it why don't we get a hold of this kelly cox guy who just kind of started iVideo wildlife it seemed and i think he had been posting videos for two or three years at this point um just kind of getting into it and my dad said hey you know you were blessed with an opportunity let's pay it forward and maybe give this guy you know something to kind of launch his his uh wildlife videography off of and i was like cool and so i emailed kelly and kelly instantly yeah i'm on board let's let's do this so that was in that was in may beginning of june when that happened and so all the pieces came together we knew what we were going to do and the first scouting trip was the weekend of my birthday in mid-july and um instantly just saw so many bucks you know, if you haven't yeah. been down to the Henry Mountains, it's something to behold. Because here on general units, you see, you know, 15 does. Oh, there's a little two-point. Finally a buck, but he's tiny. On the Henrys, it's you drive around a bend. Oh, there's a herd of 30, 30 or so bucks. Oh, and there's one doe in that in that herd. Yeah. You know? and so the buck-to-doe ratio down there is incredible. Yeah. In fact, I think I did all of the research and... The year in 2013, I think the ratio was 60 bucks for every 100 deer, 
and I think the division's goal was 50. And so I think that's why they had started giving out more and more permits. But the people that had been hunting it their whole lives talking about how the quality was going down because they were they were trying to hand out too many permits and things like that. But yeah. I didn't care. I had my permit. <laughs> you know? Tag in hand. Yeah. You had one thing on your mind. Mm-hmm. Tag so in hand. You, you get down there on the Henrys. You're seeing all these bucks. Were they huge bucks? Were they bigger bucks than you're used to? I mean, like, how, how were you narrowing down the buck you wanted to shoot? I, I imagine down there, I have never been there, but I imagine all these bucks look big, and you're just like, yeah, I'd be happy with that one or that one. Or. Well, they were. They were all bigger than anything I'd ever seen. Yeah. But as much as I wanted to deny it, I there was pressure with this permit that, you know, whether it's monstermuleys.com and everybody you know getting on there and and they would define what a big deer was and i kind of was like oh man I, i've got to kill a 220 inch plus mule deer to be considered a successful sportsman's tag holder if not you know these people are going to think i i wasted an opportunity um but i would always bring it back and my family and friends you know like who cares what other people think it we're doing it ourselves. We're going to go down there and have fun doing it. We're not going to, you know, use the assistance of, of an outfitter or anything. And I'd always say, I'd much rather kill a 190-inch buck by myself than kill a 220-inch deer with an outfitter. That was kind of my, right, you know, ha-ha-ha kind of thing. <laughs> but really, there was pressure, and, and I, I realized that probably come, if I hadn't found anything by November... I'd probably, yeah, hit the panic button, get a hold of somebody, uh, an outfitter or something. But all the deer down there were bigger than anything I had seen. But after watching all those YouTube videos and seeing what kind of caliber of deer were on the Henry Mountains, and and obviously I could have gone statewide Mm -hmm. to find deer, but I didn't want to get strung strung out too thin kind of thing. I just said, well, let's just go to the Henry's and find the biggest deer we could find. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. And in fact, I think that that advice came from Doyle Moss. Just said, "Hey, you're at the best spot in the state. Just focus here." He said, mm-hmm. "You know, I've talked to plenty of other, you know, permit holders, and they're just like when they're bouncing around, going from one place to one place. It just kind of gets old, and you can't really enjoy it to its fullest." And so that's yeah. what I decided to do. And and uh, it was difficult, but I had never, I didn't see a deer that really got me. Like that's it that's the one I want um, until after four scouting trips when we found the deer that I ended up harvesting. It was that one moment, and, and that was a that was you an knew experience. It. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. That's awesome that you, I mean, a lot of guys, I think if they drew that tag, might jump at the opportunity to have an outfitter take them. Maybe they feel inadequate. You know, maybe the pressure gets to them. I know you and I have talked a lot, you know, about that. And without getting into details of who they were and how, you know, different outfitters. But, I mean, talk a little bit about the pressure. I mean, that you were getting from these other guys. Well, I I was, you know, I I went to the expo and my dad, you know, he's like, hey, let's see what kind of free stuff you can get. Because you're, (laughs) you know, sportsman's tag holder. That's my mentality. Right. And so (laughs) it was funny. In fact, I went around and. Not a lot of people were too impressed, actually. They were just kind of like, cool, you know, there's Good one luck. of these every year. Just We have better things to do. And, and uh, 
but as his word got out, I, I had an outfitter come and meet me at the college to talk to me about, you know, going with, with him and, and, you know, signing, they wanted me to sign a contract. I'll never forget that. I was like, I don't want to sign a contract. I just want to hunt. Yeah. You know, but they're so big on contracts and I was like, Oh no, this isn't a sport right. sports team I'm joining here. <laughs> right. And, and I had some other outfitters that showed some, you know, decent interest, but I was pretty adamant about doing it alone. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think they kind of laid off, but I mean, one or two outfitters in the state, you know, would call me pretty frequently and, and would want me to, you know, sign with them and, and come on, look at this deer, look at this deer, you know, this is, these are some of the deer we had, we saw last year, but I was like, no, that takes the fun out of it. I didn't yeah. want to be in an anatomy class at college and get a phone call from an outfitter saying, Hey, can you be here tonight? Cause tomorrow morning we found your deer. Let's go kill it. I, I didn't want that. I, in fact, I took the whole fall semester off of school cause I wanted to hunt the right way. And, and, um, but yeah. And then wow. one of the outfitters I thought would be the worst ones to deal with was the most helpful. He just called me once a month, asked me how I was doing. Do you have any questions? Do you have any questions about the area you're at? And he'd compliment me on, um, you know, places we'd been. Cause I had seen him a few times on the Henry's and he's like, you guys are doing it the right way. Yeah. And so it, that was neat. But for the most part, I mean, there was pressure from outfitters, but, um, there, I don't know. I guess it just comes with the territory of the permit, you're right, you're right. which is sad, which is sad that it comes to that way. You know, you have, you have some established outfitters, you have other outfitters who are trying to make a name for themselves. And so they, mm-hmm. they really want that publicity. But I, the number one reason why I didn't want to sign an outfitter is because you talk to them and they're like, Oh, you can bring one person with you. And I'm like, I don't want to bring one person. I want my whole family to come to camp. Well, you see, that's not how we work. And I'm like, well, sorry. I want my whole family and my friends to be there and experience this with me. I didn't want it to be limited to just me and my dad and your group of 16 guides out on the mountain. That didn't sound fun. Yeah, we're not all friends. (laughs) Right. Like I wanted my close family and friends with me. So it worked out that I was able to do that. So it was neat. That's awesome, man. I mean, that shows right there you were dedicated to doing it your way and you weren't going to be persuaded that's that's awesome <laughs> yeah it worked out for sure but when, the scouting trip we found dozers but some of the other outfitters would call the deer i ended up killing um we we just kind of it was me myself a uh, hunting buddy of mine colby colby hyde uh, my sister came up from Arizona and then my parents and it was just us five for the first two days. And then Zeb and, um, Scott and his brother Jake were coming up later on, I think Saturday, early Saturday morning, but we had been told by Binkley, Hey, you know, maybe we need a check over in this area. And so from where we would camp, it took us a whole long, like an hour and a half drive to get there. And we kind of get over there and we're in my truck and my parents decide to go up on a ridge on, on the four wheeler and the four wheeler was Zeb's and, and, uh, it was a foot shift and my mom, for some reason, my dad was having my mom drive it and my mom was used to, you know, the electronic shift. Mm-hmm. And so they're going up this hill and it was a bunch of shell rock and me, Colby and my sister 
have gotten into position off of one point and we're looking at buffalo we're looking at all these buffalo like probably 200 head of buffalo just kind of admiring them and um also i hear colby hey uh your parents are kind of struggling getting up that hill over there and i said what and i turn and just as i turn i see them start rolling backwards and my dad reaches up and grabs the the wheel the handlebars and turns it so they turn and swoop down kind of sideways and their tires grabbed and so they rolled sideways down the mountain and when i saw that i jumped up and in fact i i knocked my spotting scope off this cliff about a 50 foot <laughs> cliff and uh but it, i i double checked it's kind of funny that i knocked it off and in the whole chaos of everything i double checked it landed in a bush so i told my sister because i didn't know what kind of condition my parents were going to be in so i told sam to stay there can you go grab my spotting scope and me and colby got in the truck and hurried over there and uh my dad was pretty distraught just because i think he was in shock of what happened and he felt bad and then my mom was the most banged up uh, she ended up like breaking a bone close to her elbow she has a bruise on her thigh that's like still there like it's kind of crazy and uh i just remember like oh my gosh you guys okay and my mom was kind of trying so hard not to cry and and i said mom we got to go home we got to go home or we got to go back to camp. Let's go back to camp. And I'll never forget it. She just stops and looks at me and she's like, no, Zach, you know, it's prime. It's prime time here this evening. And I'm not going to hurt any less at camp than I'm hurting now. So let's just go back up on the point and let's mm-hmm. kind of look for some deer. And so that's what we did. We, uh, Colby rode the four wheeler back down to the bottom. And then we drove up onto the point that we were originally on with my parents and, you could just tell my mom was just trying so hard to hold everything in and she was shaking. And so when we got out of the truck, she's like, I'm going to go over onto this side of the point and kind of have a moment. And she went over there and kind of break down, kind of <laughs> crying a little bit. And my dad went over to check on her a few minutes later and through the tears and through the emotion of the experience, she located a group of bachelor, you know, big, huge bachelor herd of bucks and told my dad, you know, Hey, I see a big bachelor herd and he throws his binos up. And the next thing I know is I hear my mom screaming for me to come over to where they're at and finally hear it. And I look at Colby. I'm like, I hope we found something worth videoing because Kelly wasn't there. And and so we were kind of in charge of getting footage. And sure enough, we go over there. I'm like, dad, what are you looking at? And he's like, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm looking at. This deer is so big. And I'm like, well, dad, where, where, where at? And he's like, I don't know. I don't dare bring my binoculars down because he's in some thick trees. And so we were trying to figure it out, trying to figure out where he was and where this group of deer were. And they're about 800 yards away. And I throw my spotting scope up and boom, instantly know what deer it is. Because one of the outfitters had shown me a picture, kind of trying to lure me into signing with them, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm good. And as soon as I see him, I recognize him as this deer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dad, you just found Dozer. You just found that buck. And, um, it was a surreal experience. Just like, holy crap, look at the biggest deer I've ever seen or laid eyes on. And, and to have, all right, we had some technical difficulties. We're back, (laughs) back on, um, where was I? Something about you were, how we found the deer and found the deer. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, it was neat because of, of how intimate it was in the sense that there wasn't a lot of people there 
found the deer with with just my my parents and my sister and my mission buddy and myself and and it happened just as i wanted it to happen and it was kind of neat and and i was super stoked that i had found it because i was getting nervous because you know i could hunt from august until january yeah and That's a long time. <laughs> and a week before this trip down, the scouting trip, I went home for a mission farewell. And I had been talking to Tisha, my wife, via text message and phone calls for about a month at this point. And she wasn't your wife at this point. No, she was not my wife. And she, um, <laughs> we, we decided, hey, I'm gonna, you know, let's go on a date when we head up there and Dude, and, let's go on a date. Yes, it was very manly, and, and I'm sure my the permit that I had drawn dominated the conversations on the date. For you know, we went to Lagoon for our first date, and so it was it was really fun. But you know, when the date was over, I was like, oh, cool girl. But she's in Orem, I'm in St. George, and I have this hunting permit, so sucks to be her kind of thing, you know, and then. That whole next week, we continued talking, and and then I re- started realizing, like, wow, she's she's pretty cool, and and uh, but oh, still sucks to be her. Too bad for her, and she doesn't have but, antlers. Yeah, she doesn't have antlers at this point, and so we, but we kept talking, and then we headed down for that scouting trip, and I started kind of like, oh man, it'd be really nice to date Tisha. But dang it, I have this permit. So then it was almost like a reversal of everything. Like, oh, this permit just became kind of like a crap. I have this awesome girl to date, and they don't come along very often. And, and uh, But this permit never comes along. And, <laughs> and so we found the deer, and then it was it was go time from that point. You know, I had a, I had a week until I could, could use a rifle. I wasn't using a bow at that point. Didn't had never really shot one. And so I didn't feel comfortable, you know, making a stalk and trying to shoot him. And so then it was just a waiting game. And that was the longest week of my life, being back in St. George while I knew there was other people hunting. And (laughs) The big deer was up there. The deer going to get killed? You know, is that outfitter that showed me the picture? Is he going to, you know, bump him? Or, you know, is he going to go clear out of the area and we're going to have to refine him? So it was just, that was when the real pressure set in. It was a, oh, that was not a fun time of the hunt. It was a relief, found the deer, but then it was, oh, I wish I hadn't seen him because now I'm in love with that only deer. Like, if he would have been killed, I don't know what I would have done because I hadn't seen anything close to him that really got my heart pumping up to that point. <laughs> not even Tisha? Tisha. Tisha <laughs> did do that. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, after little side note but after the hunt you know it was just like oh killed him i took a week off of uh work killed him the first day came home and tisha and i went on like four dates that week and the rest is history after that i got the trophy buck of my life and then i got a wife the trophy wife i'm telling you we joke around about it but this permit changed my life (laughs) Uh, you know that's all zach could talk about this weekend (laughs) we were up scouting for his mom's uh, elk hunt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Zach said you know this this tag really changed a person 
<laughs> well, it does. It does. I mean, I have met so many great people because of it. I, I mean, yeah. It's just crazy. Like Kelly Cox, a great friend. I consider him a good friend. And, right. And uh, it all all because of this. And Yeah. Not to sound conceited or anything, but yeah, I, I can see what yeah. you meant for yeah. sure. It, it just opened up doors mm-hmm. and avenues for you that for otherwise sure. probably wouldn't have come along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Tell us a little bit about that day. When about I, when, when, I when you knocked was able this to thing punch down. The tag. Yeah. Well, my dad, Binkley, and Kelly went up earlier than I, I got off of work at about five, but it takes me about five hours to get from St. George to the Henrys, and uh, they got there earlier. But um, I just, I just remember the drive into the Henry's you turn off Hanksville and and we were camped at the Lonesome Beaver campground so it's on the north end of Mount Ellen and it's kind of a long drive long dirt road and it was kind of crazy because the whole time you know it was it was it was actually really relaxing I wasn't nervous or anything I just kind of accepted the fact that well the buck's either alive or dead or or we are we're just gonna have to hunt to try to relocate them and and listening to high school football, I think it was like Millard versus Beaver on their little broadcast thing, the whole drive over, you know, through Kasharam and on to 24 and, and through Bicknell and Loa and all that stuff. And But pulled into camp and it was like, well, did you guys locate him? You know, and Kelly, I remember Kelly just like, no, your dad took so long doing this or doing something like that. I'm like, great. So we don't even know if he's over in the same area and we're going to go in blind in the morning kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. We, uh, we went to bed, not really knowing where this deer was, not having seen him for a week. And we woke up extra early, woke up at three in the morning and we got over to where we wanted to be about Oh, I don't know, about an hour, hour and a half before daylight. So then we just sat there and just kind of, it was, it was kind of neat. It was part of the hunt that you wouldn't have got if you would have gone with an outfitter, just standing in a circle next to the side-by-sides, just kind of talking about, wow, when that sun comes up, this really might happen. And, you know, just kind of speculating, oh, what if this happens? Or, oh, it'd be so cool if this happens. And it was just kind of a neat experience just to, you know, have family and close friends in a circle, and and uh, once sun came up, we we kind of made our way up the road to where we had last seen them, and we start looking, start looking. For the first few minutes, we didn't see anything, and then Zeb, about you know, ten minutes into glassing, located him and the bucks, and they were a little bit further ahead of where we had patterned them. At that time in the morning, they were probably a good thousand to two thousand yards ahead of schedule, basically. And so we kind of sat there, kind of game planned a little bit, and I uh, was nervous, you know, just hoping that I could keep my uh, nerves calm so I could make a good shot. And and uh, once the the deer kind of disappeared out of view, it was kind of a blessing because I didn't have to keep looking at him through the spotting scope and. I just kind of could collect my thoughts. And so then we started the stock and it was not a hard stock. You know, it wasn't like I had to climb 2000 vertical feet and half a mile. It was just kind of climbing, 
climbing some ridges and kind of easing our way, checking each little canyons, making sure that, you know, it didn't duck off into one of those or, and we just kept going. And, um, I think it was Zeb, Binkley, Scott and Jake on point. And then it was myself, my dad and, and Kelly stalking in and we came up on them and we were just like, okay there they are now what do we do that was the first time we thought they were going to kind of work their way back towards us on the ridge but they they kept going and so we had to kind of keep following them trying to catch up and once we found them i just i kind of got a little impatient i was just like yeah i just want to get up here lay down prone and you know get a shot off and kelly was trying to get into position and the buck kind of he was the furthest one away from the group and Kelly pointed out which one he was to me, and I looked at his horns one time. That was it. I was like, okay, no more. Let me just look at his front shoulder and nothing else. So I had the scope on him, waiting for him to turn. He was facing away from us, and he finally quartered to us and pulled the trigger. One shot, he went down. Kelly and my dad are hooting and hollering, and I'm kind of sick to my stomach. (laughs) Like, sick. Like, I wanted to throw up because the way that the buck had expired was he had his his g2s straight in the ground straight in the dirt and his nose was straight in the air and so the way he looked through the scope was like i had shot this little dinky four point with tiny front a tiny front end and so on kelly's video you can hear me is that him is that is that really him <laughs> like i think maybe him and my dad thought i was in disbelief at first like oh my gosh i killed him and but no, like I was literally concerned, like, oh my heck, I just shot a 160 inch deer with the sportsman's tag. And <laughs> when I had a 240 plus. inch in the same group that I was going to shoot, you know, just, I was sick. And, yeah. And I can imagine. Well, Kelly, Kelly's like, no, you killed him. You killed him. And then he saw the concern on my face and then he kind of glassed him up the way I was seeing him. And he's like, you could kind of hear it changing his voice like yeah it's him and better be him my dad was just <laughs> i think he was more sick to his stomach than i was but i kind of just accepted the fact and hooted and hollered and um kelly went up first to the deer and he's like oh yeah don't worry this is the deer don't worry about it i'm like okay good and then after that it was just the weight of the world off my shoulders I just harvested the biggest mule deer I'd ever seen, let alone hunt. And he, I was, you know, I was, I was picky to be honest with you. I didn't want to shoot a velvet deer. I did not want to shoot velvet deer, not because I didn't like velvet, but because I didn't like it, how they looked as far as their body, like all the blonde hair kind of coming out and they're kind of coming into their winter coat and they just look mangy. They have really skinny necks. I just didn't like that look, but the dozer, he, he has basically, you know, shed all his blonde hair and he kind of looked like you would, you know, mid September. And so, yeah, gray, gray coat, short, short hair. And so, yeah, one shot through both shoulders, took a nosedive, shot him right through the heart and he expired quickly. And after that, you know, we were just kind of taking video and just kind of trying to soak it all in. And then Zeb and Scott and Binkley and Jake got there. And, um, we, Zeb, he's, he's 
a taxidermist at Big Stuff Taxidermy, him and Dirk Bowden. And so that was kind of nice. Zeb was there. He was able to, you know, cape it off, cape it off the nose, and he was able to inject it with uh, formaldehyde right there to kind of preserve the velvet. Because he, I mean, if you look at him and see him, he's he's probably two or three days away from stripping all of his velvet. Yeah, he's he's already stripped on a couple of the points a little bit. He's rubbed yeah. a little bit. He's really thin. But I, I think he did a good job. Zeb did a great job on uh, preserving the velvet. He looks great. We'll be posting some pictures of him on our, our pages, but he is he's a dandy buck for sure. Yeah. Buck of a lifetime. Buck of a lifetime. <laughs> I mean, it was a surreal experience to, to say that it happened just as I wanted it to. Huge blessing. And uh, to be able to have him in my front room now, you know, just kind of a... My wife always makes fun of me because I'm always staring at him or I'll go up and kind of brush his nose off, kind of dust him, you know, run my hands over the velvet to make sure he's not getting too dusty. And, but, yeah. He's and a beautiful buck. Beautiful <laughs> buck and beautiful luck is yeah, what I had, you know, buck, to draw that dag. And, and that's what's funny is you mentioned going scouting for elk this weekend. My mom drew an Expo limited entry elk tag, and she says it's all because of her, her credit card number. So I'm going to get Zach's mom to pay for my applications next year so I can draw some good tags. Yeah, she said she'll <laughs> charge $10 application fee on top of whatever you draw. That's what she always says. Heck, I'll give her an extra, extra 10 if I draw. Well, and, and not to mention that three years before I drew my tag, my dad drew the sportsman's bear tag. I don't think a lot of people know that. And so it's kind of like, what the heck? A lot of people are like, what favors are, you, are the Mike Sell family doing for the division? Because that's ridiculous. And and uh, it, But whatever. It's happened, and, and we have some dead you're, animals that are lifetime memories. You know? You're a normal family. You're not related to anyone in the Mule Deer Foundation, as far as I know. As far as <laughs> I know. works for the division. Yeah. It's just luck. It's and pure luck. We're all jealous. Yeah. <laughs> so we're we're way excited for his mom's hunt, Zach's mom. Um she's hiking, trying to get ready for her hunt. We were up there yesterday, um, Friday night and yesterday, Saturday, looking for some bulls and we think we found one um, that's gonna be on the list. Two that's not at the top. So mid range list and but we'll see where they are come mid September. <laughs> yeah, it's a, an early rifle hunt, but um, it's now the first part of August, so we still have a little while. But we'll be heading back up there another time or two at least. Set a couple cameras. Hopefully, we set them right in their beds. So literally, <laughs> right literally, on top right of their where beds. They were bedding. So hopefully, we get some some great trail cam footage. But uh, Zach, appreciate you being willing to do this podcast. Been yeah. bugging you for a while. I. I never shy Thanks. away from an opportunity to talk about myself or the hunt, you know? <laughs> no, but no, I appreciate the opportunity. It's it's fun to kind of tell a story that, you know, the story was put in Eastman's Magazine and King's Camel ran it in like some little pamphlet they had advertising for Christmas shopping or something, but it just, it's all summarized and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So there's some small details that people don't get to hear that kind of yeah. make the story sweeter for me. 
No, it's been fun to hear you tell it. I mean, I've, I've watched Kelly's video. Um, we'll be posting a link to the video so you can watch Zach and uh, his dad and family friends go up and harvest this buck. But it was really cool to actually hear it from you. I've heard it a few times, and I don't get tired of hearing about it. Yeah. I learned something new today about the four-wheeler accident and your mom finding the buck after that. So that was that was cool. Yeah, it was neat. But, yeah, appreciate your time and appreciate you. Maybe we'll have your mom on a podcast here in the future. That'd be cool. <laughs> that a nice big neat. bull. Yeah. All right. Well, guess we'll call it a a done deal. Sounds good. Thanks for listening.